0: in 2023 at Bible Baptist Church. If you have a Bible, let me encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, in just a moment, I'm going to read some familiar verses from 12 down through verse 14. And I've told you before that Philippians is my favorite letter or epistle in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul Paul inspired by God the Holy Spirit. It's an unusual letter because you know that when Paul wrote to the churches in the first century, typically he was dealing with some kind of issue or problem in the church, but not so when he sent this letter to the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi, a lot of New Testament students would call it the church of joy because when Paul reminisced about his time with the Philippians and his relationship with them. It was all about joy. And so the word joy or rejoice, they appear over and over in each chapter of this little letter of Scripture. However, as Paul starts to hasten toward a conclusion here in chapter 3, and he'll finish out his thoughts through chapter 4, He encourages them, even though they're good people in a great church, not to be satisfied with where they are. And in these words, we find good marching orders, if you would, for laying aside one year and looking toward the prospects and the possibilities that lie out ahead for us spiritually in the next year. And so the title of my message this morning is I'm moving on, Philippians chapter 3. we we'll read beginning in verse 12 down through verse 14. Paul writes and he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me, Lord? Thank you again for these moments of worship, and Lord, we are a blessed people indeed that on a day like this, where we're closing out a year and moving on toward a new year, that we can spend a part of this day with our friends and our family here at Bible Baptist Church. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have this same spirit, this same mind that the Apostle Paul possessed. Father, he was a man who was not content to stay where he was spiritually, even though he was in a really good place. Father, thank you that he was a man who saw next steps ahead of him. And I pray that over each of us this morning, that Father, we would be a people who would never be content in staying where we are But may we be a people who are hungry for the next things you have for us spiritually. I pray and I ask all of that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and amen. Well, I'm going to begin by making a controversial statement in my last message of 2023, and here's my statement. Some of you may not like it, and you may not like me after I've made it, but I'm just going to tell you like it is, okay? Here's what I want to say. I do not like modern country music. And by modern country music, I was hoping I would get at least one amen this morning. (laughs) By modern country music, I mean really about anything written after 1989. Uh, In fact, I, I miss living in Lexington because in those years that we lived there, Uh, There was a country music station that was called The Hank. If you're ever in Fayette County, it it doesn't reach beyond the county very much, and so you have to be pretty close into Lexington to pick it up. I think it's 106 point something. And and they play all those good songs that I grew up on uh, that was holding over from the 60s but through the 70s and the 80s. This new stuff is just not country music. It isn't. But there is one band that has been somewhat of a recent band that I have appreciated, although they've quit now. They quit back in 2020, but the band I'm talking about went by the name of Rascal Flats. You probably know the band. They were very, very popular. And one of their early most popular songs is the song that I'm borrowing my title from today. It was a major hit for them. Again, entitled, I'm Moving On. Just listen to the lyrics from the first part of the song. It says, I've dealt with my ghosts and I've faced all my demons. I'm finally content with a past I regret. I've found that you find strength in your moments of weakness. For once... I'm at peace with myself. I've been burdened with blame. I've been trapped in the past for too long. I'm moving on. You know that song, don't you? Those, again, are not necessarily spiritual lyrics, but they're good lyrics because I think all of us need to uh, find those defining moments in our life when we assess where we are, and we just say, you know what, I'm tired of being in this place spiritually. I think there's more for me. I think God has a bigger plan for me. I think that there are more steps in this journey of discipleship that I can take, and so I'm stopping where I am, and I'm going to push forward... I'm going to move on. The bottom line is this. I don't think that there's any person who can look back over the course of his or her life from their earliest memories to their most current memories and honestly say, I have no regrets. Now, I've heard people say that before. And here's what I think about. Them when I hear that statement. Somebody say, you know, I just really don't have any regrets. I think either number one, you're a whole lot better than I am. Or number two, you're a liar. (laughs) Because isn't it true that we regret some things we've done? Do you have things in your life, when you look back on them and even though they're forgiven and you've worked through them, Don't you wish every now and then that you could call back time and get a redo? I do. Uh, There's a lot of things I've done that I should not have done, and I regret those things. So I have regrets. And then on the flip side of that, when I look back over my life, there are things that I should have done that I did not do. And I regret that. But the good news is this, and you've heard it so many times, and it sounds like such a cliché, but it's so very true. Failure is not final with the Father. Your past does not have to define you. The regrets that you might have from 2023, you don't have to be bogged down in those. But like the Apostle Paul talks about here, you can move on. Now, there may be a few of us in the room today that are in a pretty good place spiritually. And here's what I would say to you. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote this, inspired by God the Holy Spirit, he was in a good place spiritually. Of course, he hadn't always been Paul. He once was Saul. And God came into his life, he gave his life to the Lord Jesus, and his life was completely and radically turned around. And from that point forward, you know, Paul lived a beautiful, glorious Christian life. He became the great writer of New Testament Scripture. Most of the New Testament that you and I read today was written by the pen of the Apostle Paul, again inspired by the Holy Spirit. He was the church's first great missionary. The first and then the second great missionary journeys that started in Antioch was led by none other than the Apostle Paul. He was a tremendous theologian. You see, much of what we know about Christianity and following Christ comes to us through the pen of the Apostle Paul. He was a great preacher. He was a great soul winner. Paul had a lot going for him. And maybe today you do too. Maybe you could say this morning, well, there's not a lot of personal regret that I have from the recent days in my life. I'm in a pretty good place spiritually. Here's what I want you to know. You still have room for growth. I have so much room for growing in the grace of God and deepening my sanctification and following the Lord Jesus Christ closer. I think we can all, regardless of where we are, maybe trapped in some regret or maybe in a pretty good place, I think we could all say together this morning, today, this last day, this last Sunday of 2023, I'm going to draw my line in the proverbial sand. This is going to be a moment of demarcation for me, and I am going to move on. Well, if that's your decision today, you want to move on. You have to, number one, move on beyond your present. And that begins when you're dissatisfied with where you are. And so perhaps today... That's the starting point for you. You need to say, I am no longer going to be satisfied here. As I said a moment ago, that's the heart of the Apostle Paul. Paul was sanctified. Paul was serving. But Paul was not satisfied. Even though he was walking with the Lord, he knew that there was more ground for him to gain spiritually. I believe that if one of our hymns could define the mentality and the spiritual life of the Apostle Paul, it's the one that says, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I upward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. And maybe that ought to be your theme song today. I'm tired of where I am. There's more improvement for me in my Christian life I am going to move on, but I have to tell you this, early in the message, if you've made the decision to move on beyond your present, there's two dangers that you have to face. One is a danger with your past, and I'll say some more about that in just a few moments, but the other is a danger that's associated with your present. You've got to put the past behind you. We'll get there in a moment. But you have to get tired of the present. There has to be this holy dissatisfaction with where you are. You avoid living in the past, but you must be dissatisfied with your present. That was the mentality of the Apostle Paul. Paul had seen the risen Lord on the Damascus Road. Paul had had that great moment where he was lifted up into the third heaven and he was able to see things that he said were inexplicable by the human tongue. Paul had had all those grand experiences as a preacher, as a missionary, as a scripture writer, as a church planner, as a soul winner, yet he says, I'm not there yet. I'm dissatisfied with where I am. He says, I've not already obtained. I'm not where God wants me yet. I'm not perfect yet. I haven't been perfected. Please understand what he means when he writes that. He's not saying that he could ever reach a place of sinless perfection. You and I will never get there. Always remember that you're a sinner saved by grace... And this side of eternity, you'll always be a sinner saved by grace. You won't be perfect. He's not talking about sinlessness. But He's talking about spiritual maturity. i am not been perfected yet. I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived spiritually yet. But I do press on to make it my own because Christ has made me His own. He has apprehended me. He caught up with me when I was lost. And He wrapped His arms of mercy and grace around me and He saved me. And what Paul is saying is, I no longer belong to me. Hope you know that today. You don't belong to yourself. You're not yours anymore. You belong to Jesus. You're His. God has captured you by His grace. And so it's not about what you really want anymore. It's about what He wants for you and surrendering yourself to His will. And so you have to let go of the past, but you can't be bogged down in the present. Are you perfect enough this morning to know that you're not perfect yet? Are you mature enough in your Christianity to know that you've not reached that level of maturation yet that God wants you to have? None of us have. I think the reason that the Apostle Paul was so successful in his experience with Christ, it's because he never looked at himself like a success. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. And he writes here, I'm not mature yet. I haven't been perfected yet, but I'm reaching to higher ground. He knew that there had to be these moments in his life where he says, I'm dissatisfied with where I am. You see, he understood spiritual success not as a destination, but as a process. It's always continuous growth in the Lord. Who's the greatest athlete of all times? How's that for a transition? My boys and I uh, love to have that conversation. Alistair and I still have it occasionally. Who's the greatest athlete of all times? The GOAT. Who's the GOAT in the world of sports? And there's so many names you can throw out there Cassius Clay, you know, from the boxing world, obviously you can talk about Michael Jordan when it comes to basketball, but I remember Alistair Andrew and I, a year or two ago, were having this conversation, and I made a definitive statement, and I stand by it. Do you know who I really believe, no joke here, who I believe is the greatest athlete of all time, the GOAT? might surprise you. I think the greatest of all time is none other than Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, 28 Olympic medals. There's not even someone that's close to him as a second. 23 gold medals, 3 silver medals, 2 bronze medals. But there came this moment in his life where even though he had had such a successful career, he had to stop, he had to think about where he was, and be tired of where he was, and then start moving on. You all remember the Athens games in 2004. That's where he really burst onto the scene. Six gold medals. That was Athens. Then four years later in 2008 in Beijing... That's where he really rose up into prominence as an Olympic athlete. Eight gold medals in 2008. But if you remember the news, between 2008 and 2012 at London, Michael Phelps had some personal problems. There was a lot of mistakes that he had made, and so he he went to London. And of course, most athletes would be glad to bring home one gold medal, But he brought four home from London, and that was not success to him. And So after he had made the team after London, he made this statement. I want you to listen to this closely. Phelps said, I've had my ups and downs, but I had to get to the place where I wasn't satisfied anymore with what I'd become. I had to get back into the water. Did you hear what he said? He said, I had to get to the place where I was no longer satisfied with where I was. Well, he got to that place and he goes to Rio in 2016. You know what he did? He brought back home five more gold medals. But it all started with that defining moment where he said, I had to become dissatisfied. Let me ask you this morning. Are you satisfied personally? Are you satisfied by your Bible intake? Are you reading and listening to Scripture the way you should? Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with your prayer life? Are you satisfied with the way you share the gospel with your lost family members and friends and people in this community? Are you satisfied? Bible Baptist Church, are we satisfied? Are we where we need to stay? The bottom line is, we're never there. And I would encourage you to adopt this as a spiritual truth for your life to never be satisfied because God and the price that the Lord Jesus Christ paid for you demands everything you've got and demands this holy dissatisfaction with where we are spiritually. Let me tell you what happens when you get to that place where you just say, okay, I'm I'm good enough, I'm satisfied, I'm where I need to stay, you're running the risk of sinning that awful Laodicean sin. You know what I'm talking about. You know, the Apostle John writes those letters to the Asia Minor churches in the early chapters of Revelation, and you have the church at Laodicea. And he writes in Revelation chapter 3 verse 17, he says, For you say, I am rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Don't get to that point in your personal spirituality where you say, I'm satisfied, because... Again, the Bible says when you're there, you've lost track of the fact that you're pitiable, and you're poor, and you're blind, and you're naked. Listen, we have nothing outside of Jesus. We have nothing outside of the movement and the ownership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm saying to you, as a church, We have nothing to offer but the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should never be satisfied until we've offered Jesus with everybody we know. I'm saying to you this morning as long as there's one more drug addict in Rockcastle County, Kentucky, you should not be satisfied. As long as there's one more family that's being pulled apart by the work of the enemy, you should never be satisfied. As long as there's one more soul that needs the grace of God and the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be satisfied. I'm moving on. And it begins with now. A dissatisfaction with where I am. So I'm moving on beyond uh, my present. Number two, if you're going to move on, you must move on away from your past. In other words, You must put the past behind you. I want you to notice, according to verse 13, Paul begins to talk about a singular focus he has. He says one thing. Do you see it there? There's one thing I do. In other words, Paul says, I have become microscopic in my thoughts about what I'm supposed to do. And I've zeroed in on this one thing. But before he gets to the one thing, he offers us a parenthetical. I want you to see this. In 13 he says, there's one thing I do. Parenthetically, to getting to that one thing, he says, I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forward to those things which are ahead. He's dealing with his past. To get to is one thing. Do you see it? He's putting something behind him and that something is his past. If you're going to move on with the Lord, you have to move away from your past. In other words, you can't focus on where you need to go until you forget about where you've been. You can't focus on the goal that God has for your life until you put aside the things that would want to prevent you from getting to that goal. I want you to notice how Paul uses all of this athletic language in these verses. He talks about reaching forward. He talks about pressing toward. He talks about there being a goal and there being a prize. It's all about getting to where God would have you be. The bottom line is the Christian life is a race. And your race is not my race. My race is not your race. God puts us in different places in life. He gives us different ideas. He gives us different gifts. But the good news is we can race together on a team, right? But here's the thing. We will never win the race if we don't put the past behind. Just can't do it. I'm looking around. I just wonder who the fastest person is in this room today. I don't know who it would be, but I'll tell you what I'll do. And I'm pretty slow, by the way. I think I've told you all the story when I was playing baseball for Sam Ford. I was was on second base and Sam had told David Brock (laughs) who was over there coaching third base to signal me to steal third base. And so I cut out toward third base and and I could tell that the catcher was going to get the ball to third baseman before I could get there and I just did an old Pete Rose belly flop toward third base and Third baseman caught the ball and he tagged my hand probably a good foot before it landed on the bag. I got up, wiped myself off and oh, David Brock, y'all remember David. David said, Alan, if I'd have known you were that slow. (laughs) I promise you I wouldn't have told you to steal third. I don't care what Sam was saying in the dugout. Never been that fast. I'm certainly not fast now. But I would take the fastest person on in this room in a race if that person would just make me one promise. That while we raced, I could stay focused on the finish line while he or she tried to run always looking behind. I'd win the race. I'd win it hands down. Because you can't win a race if you're worried about what's behind you. You can't do it. Winston Churchill in the days of World War II said, if the present quarrels with the past, there can't be a future. And it's so true. You must put the past behind you. When my boys were little in our house, the old Disney movie Lion King, it was a cult classic and you know the story of the Lion King Simba had run away from home and he learns about Hakuna Matata with uh, Pumbaa and uh, the meerkat. And so there, there's this day where the warthog Pumbaa looks at, at Simba and he says, No, you, you have to put your behind in your past. And Timon says, no, that's not the way it goes. You've got to put the past behind you. And beloved, that's good advice when you're stuck where you don't need to be stuck. You've got to put the past behind. Maybe you're here this morning and it's sin of the past. Listen, that God has already forgiven And you're allowing the adversary to continue to accuse you. That's what He is. He's the accuser of the brethren. When God, according to Psalm 103, 12, He has already put the sin behind us as far as what, church? The east is to the west. Maybe it's a sin you just need to forget. Maybe it's a grudge. Is there somebody that you have a grudge toward this morning? And it keeps lurking up, it keeps hurting you, and it keeps you from becoming who God wants you to be. Maybe it's glory days. Accomplishments. Thing is, we can remember accomplishments We can be thankful for accomplishments, but we cannot relive them. They're gone. And we must know there's more that God has for us now. If you're going to move on, you have to move away from your past. One more as we close. If you're going to move on today, not only do you have to move away from your past, But you have to move toward your potential. You have to see what God has for you. You must focus on the future. The Apostle Paul learned the power of concentration. Notice what he says there in the middle of verse 13. There is this one thing I do. And I told you that the parentheses has putting the past behind you. Here is Paul's one thing. Verse 14, the thing that Paul did was he focused on the goal. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That word for goal is scopos in the Greek. It means to look with intensity. To really look at the finish line. It's the word from which we get our words microscope and telescope, it's to have your eyes fixed on a certain thing. Paul says, I move toward the goal. I have one goal in my life. I'm fixed on that goal. I've built my life around reaching that goal. Paul says, I want to finish my race and I want to finish it well. Well. Which speaks to a problem in our culture. Far too many people outside and inside the church that want to quit. People say all the time these days, Well, I'm done. You heard that? I'm done with this. I'm done with that. Sometimes we get too eager to be done with something. I think that's why so many families are pulled apart. Because people know very little about determination and perseverance and endurance. That's why there's unfinished degrees. That's why there's unfinished work in our churches. That's why our communities aren't better than they ought to be. Because people just quit. Listen, if you're going to make the goal, You can't quit. You can't stop. You must stay into the race. Remember what Jesus said, Luke 9, verse 62. No one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's not God's intention for you to grab a hold of something He's called you to do and then look back and quit. Aren't we thankful that Jesus did not quit in the Garden of Gethsemane? Aren't we thankful that Jesus didn't say, this cross thing, it's just too hard? No, He finished what God had sent Him to do. That's what Paul says. I am determined to finish my race. What's the goal for Paul? Paul? Be careful before you say heaven. Because you know what Paul said about heaven? Paul said, now listen to this. Paul said that he would give up his own salvation if his fellow Jews would turn to Jesus. Hmm. I don't think that was it, but I think he defined it when he last wrote to Timothy. 2 Timothy, he writes and he knows that his execution is looming out just ahead of him. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And then he talks about a crown of righteousness which God has laid up for him. But his goal was right there to finish the race that God had placed him in and to finish it well. So I ask you this morning, last Sunday of 2023, have you determined to finish your race well? Maybe you would say, well, it's too late for me. No, it's not. It is not too late for you. Our God is a God Someone once said of second chances, but I'm grateful that His mercy and grace reaches far beyond my second chance. And so we have a God who always, out of His abundant mercy, restores and reuses. It isn't too late for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to say today, I have a singular focus and my focus is pleasing God and my focus is finishing the race that He's put me in. I'm moving on. What a great day to say it. What a great day to mean it. What a great day to join in harmony with the great Apostle Paul and say, I'm starting now. Right now in this present moment, I'm making my decision. I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm moving away from my past, and I'm going to pursue my future. The potential that God has for me, that is my pursuit. I'm moving on. Would you stand with me and bow your heads? I'm going to pray for us, and after I pray, we're going to end our last service of 2023 as we typically do in a song and this moment of invitation. If you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I invite you to come to Him today. Greatest promise made in Scripture, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today, if you need to come and call on the name of Jesus, repenting of your sins, asking for His forgiveness, I just want you to know He'll save you today. Would you come to Him? Come out of that past. Come out of where you are right now and and run to Jesus this morning. Would you come? Christian friend, what about you? Today, has the Holy Spirit convinced you that enough is enough? That you don't need to stay where you are, but there's more for you to gain. Maybe some of you are just flat out of the race. Oh, you're here on a Sunday morning, but you know in your heart of hearts that you're not living your life for the Lord Jesus. And today, God, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, get back in, roll up the sleeves, become nimble spiritually again so that God can use you to run the race that He wants you to finish and finish well. Would you come today? Or maybe there's a heart here this morning that's in a pretty good spot, but you're just crying out to God saying, oh God, I want more. More of you, more of your Word, more power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to move on. I want more. Well, find you an altar today. Come forward. Get on your knees before the Lord. And do the business with Him that He's asked you to do. That's your privilege. What a great day. One, two, three, one, two, three. Come and do what God has called you to do today. Father, I thank you for these moments. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who is with us. I pray, Father, for any soul that needs to step to Jesus today. I pray he or she would come and be saved. I pray for those who want more. I pray for those who need to deal with something of the past. I pray, Lord, for a church to be ignited by You, on fire for You, to pursue this community and this county and this region with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, would You move in our hearts today and draw us exactly to that place where You want us to be. And may we not be stubborn, But Father, may we be eager to move to where you want us. In Jesus' name, amen.